Uh, what got you there with got you got you? What got you there with Shonda Laney? 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 Matt Walden is a singer-songwriter who discusses his unconventional journey, which began with him posting original and cover songs on YouTube and Vine. Since then, he's had millions of streams and has released multiple albums with his newest single, Uni's Not For Me, out now. Sean and Matt discuss the difficulties of trying to make it as a musician, how entrepreneurship factors into his life, and how he handles doubt. At the end, Matt grabs his guitar and lets you hear his latest single. Each week, so many amazing podcasts come out. Unfortunately, we just don't have the time to listen to them all. That's why I love Podcast Notes. What Podcast Notes does is they write up some of the top podcasts and top episodes with their tips, takeaways, and quotes so you get everything you need out of that episode without having to spend all that time listening. They also have an unbelievable weekly newsletter. And this weekly newsletter has the takeaways from the top business, health, and lifestyle podcasts. It's one of the few newsletters I subscribe to and certainly think you guys would love checking it out. So remember, it's podcastnotes.org and also subscribe to that weekly newsletter they're putting out. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great-tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor. Head to mctco.com. And use code WGYT for 20% off your order. You look pretty pretty calm under pressure here. Nice. Yeah, man. There's I, pressure? It, nah, <laughs> slight pressure. I mean, the, the thing I, I'm most excited about is we, we were just chatting a minute ago. And yeah. just there's so many different avenues and opportunities that you have to explore. Being a creative, a businessman, navigating this life. So we, we just have too much to talk Dude, through. I'm ready. Yeah, but I, I really want to know, where did you first get involved with music? Where was that initial passion, that love? Where did that come from? Oh, I think there's there's two different answers for that though. Like the the passion came when I was like 13, um, just from heartbreak. And I, I've never been one to deal with my emotions well. I've always been like better at writing it and like, I don't know, singing, I guess. Um, but my mom forced me into piano lessons at five. So I, I, I never asked for music in my life, but she was like, here you go. <laughs> like, Did they have a music background? No, my, my dad... Don't get me wrong, Dad. If you're watching or listening, um, he sings karaoke from time to time, and uh, my mom will. Uh, she played piano lessons for a little bit, but like no one in our family was like wanting to be a professional musician, and that's why they all kind of looked at me funny when I was like, "That's what I want to do," <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, really? Oh, okay. Mm, let's see how you make a living." So it's yeah, been- never easy actually turning it into an actual career. No, dude, it's it a nightmare. But like. The steps that got me there were the that that whole path is the coolest part, and I'm still on it. So I mean, I'm not quite here yet. I like to be there, but if you didn't if you didn't know, I put my hand in the air when I said here, I was like up there. And for you, those of you listening, yes, this is on YouTube as well, so you can watch the entire video. 
But but you mentioned the early age, absolutely being able to dabble with music, and then the thirteen. Why did things change? Um, my mom forcing me into piano at five. I didn't I didn't like it just because like you know the consistency was probably the best thing for me. Every week we were going back to lessons, and I was learning new things. And I think I was like eight years old playing Beethoven and like for recitals and stuff. And there's videos of it. It's it's ridiculous, but um, I I didn't enjoy any of it. Like. I did it because my mom was like, you have to do this. And then I remember, I think I turned, I think it was 13. And she's like, all right, you could stop piano lessons. We have to pick up a different instrument. I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to do guitar because it's like, it's cool. Yeah. I was like, yeah, guitar is definitely the cool instrument. And then she's like, all right, we're going to start your lessons over there. And I hated it. And after a year, I was like, mom, I don't want to do these lessons anymore. Because, But the thing is like the lessons were definitely vital because they're trying to teach us the structure and like what you're doing like a chord is a chord because of this and here's all the theory behind it and i just i hated every second of being force-fed that theory i just wanted the fun creative part and so i quit lessons and guitar after like a year and i went right into uh watching youtube videos of my favorite songs and just trying to learn from youtube get out of here so so you start piano at five make it all the way to 13 and then only one year of doing guitar and you're like i'm done with this yeah. We're going full YouTube to understand and learn this. Everything, everything else was learned on YouTube. Really? Mm -hmm. Even today, I still learn majority of the things from YouTube. So, what was it about the the instructor trying to show you a certain way that you were just so against, but then you were so self in tune with doing it on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I, it, maybe it felt like I was doing something for myself versus someone telling me what to do. So, I was just being a little rebel when I was younger. Um, but I don't know when, when the, my piano teacher was mean. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> she was not nice. She'd be like, you sit with your back up, you put your hands, your hands are not like up enough. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't like people yelling at me like that. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of took my own turn of things and taught myself and it felt better. I was like, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for anyone else. When did you first realize you were actually talented? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if that's ever been something I've, I've just been like, yeah, I have talent. I'm, I enjoy music. I've definitely taken the humble approach to things, which is good. Um, but I, I think once I started dabbling with the loop pedal, I realized I, I might have a little bit of a competitive advantage on others just because I've, like, obviously, Ed Sheeran's the loop pedal king, don't get me wrong. Um, and he definitely destroys the loop pedal game. But um, I have saw some other people use a loop pedal, which I'll explain what that is in a second. And they were not very good at it. And I was like, huh, you know, like, they're good musicians, but they're not very good at looping things. And then I started watching all these other musicians who were, like, incredible, and they weren't very good at it either. And I went, maybe I have something with a live performance in this machine, which, by the way, a loop pedal... I hit a button with my foot and I can play a guitar riff or I can hit my guitar or I can beatbox and it loops over and over once I push it again, just a constant loop of that sound. So I build it like I have a band without actually having to pay for a band. It's cheaper. There you go. <laughs> Not a bad approach at all. I guess when I, when I asked the question about understanding that you had some talent, it's almost, when did you discover, I might actually pursue this as a career? Got you. Ooh. 
because you've got to, you got to understand you do have some talent if you are going to try to take that approach, but then you also have to have just so much self-belief. I feel like, Oh dude, it was insane. I think when I was younger, I was fearless. Um, now it's a lot more self-doubt and it's, it's crazy how the, how it's kind of changed. But I want to say when I moved out at like 18, there's a voice crack for you. Um, when I moved out at like 18, I started posting on Vine and I realized a lot of people liked it. And Vine was this little six second video app. And I started getting like thousands of likes on these little cover videos. It's like just six seconds of a cover. That's not enough to like, you know, you know what I mean? Don't, you can't do music covers for six seconds. But people were loving it and they would listen. And I got like just about 70,000 followers on it. And I was like, what is happening? Why are people into this? And it kind of built my self-confidence up a lot because it felt like strangers were reassuring me without actually having to reassure me. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I have something here. So I started writing more of my songs and putting them out to the world. And that was kind of the moment. I was like, you know, maybe I can make a living making music which sucks that I'm saying it's because of others saying you could definitely do this. But it, it wasn't like a moment for me where I thought I can do this. Like I didn't have that much self, self-confidence, which, which is tough, you know, but. Almost more of that gradual process. Yeah. And the reassurance definitely helped me get there. And then I started putting out my originals and then I realized like I put out this song called Flip the Script and it charted 38 on the iTunes singer songwriter charts because the fans were supporting it and like they were in love with the track and, and supporting me. And I remember I was sitting in my room with my friend, Tommy, refreshing the charts, seeing like, maybe it'll get on there. Like maybe it will. There's like the top 200. And, um, we kept refreshing, refreshing. And I was eating Chipotle at the time. And, uh, I, I just remember nothing was happening. It was like an hour after 12 o'clock when the song came out. And then all of a sudden I refreshed it one more time. And I was like, man, I've been checking in like the 200s, like, Maybe, you know, there might be like this little strain of hope that I can, I can scroll up and maybe see it in like the top 50s or something. And then sure enough, it was like number 60 and I jumped up and my Chipotle went everywhere and it like went all over the ground. And I was like screaming and my roommate's like, why the hell are you screaming right now? And I'm like, dude, I'm on the freaking iTunes charts. Like people love this song. And then throughout the day, it went up top 50 and then went to 38. And from there, I just had so much confidence. I was like, I can do this. So there must have been a big shift from the day prior to the day after, right? Oh yeah. So like, so like, what what's the next day look like for you with all of this now found oh, self belief? It was a high. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I remember I was sitting in a Starbucks, and I was just kind of looking around at the charts and and tweeting people back and and posting on Instagram, and I was just I felt like I was on top of the world and that I could do anything, and so I immediately went. I need more. I need more music. I need more songs because that's the only thing that people are here for. So I started writing more and put out an EP shortly after. And that did even better. And I was just like, what is happening? And I ended up in the hospital. So I know it was a crazy shift, right? You're like, yeah, he's on his high. Yeah. And I, I had an anxiety attack. curveball here. Really? Yeah. Um, so what age was this? Hmm. This was in 2015. Okay. Um, I don't know how old it was. That's so then how many goes 20. So how many months into or or after you hit 38 did this take place? I want to say I put out the EP in July of 2015. So I think it was a it was a couple months. I could be wrong on the timelines. Okay. But um it was a crazy time, man. I remember the EP went number seven on the 
top charts of iTunes, which they don't have those charts anymore. Um, they updated it because Apple Music's like their new thing, but it was the craziest time for me and I didn't believe it. And then I think the next day after it came out, my local paper wrote like a big write up and I was the front page and I like, it was like a lot to take in. And I just remember I suddenly felt like this immense sense of pressure. Like I have to do something even bigger now. Like it's it just cause it's an each time it's a step up and granted I did it very grassroots where like me and my friend Raven, we produced all of it where I didn't like pay someone. She helped me out tremendously. Um, but it, it stressed me the heck out and I ended up in the hospital with like stomach problems. And <laughs> I remember leaving and the guy, the doctor actually came in and he hit me on the stomach twice and he goes, you're just anxious. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, thank you. That helps me. Like, <laughs> Well, I feel like I want to dive into this a little bit because from an outsider's perspective, you see these people experiencing this unbelievable amount of success and you basically hit this very successful moment in your life. And then all of a sudden it completely shifts. So, so how do you even handle that at the time? And then what do you think was the root cause of that? Was it just all of a sudden this newfound success and weight on your shoulders? Or was it all of a sudden you shifted your bar entirely in terms of what you were trying to accomplish. Like what, what really led to that? Um, a lot. I think, I think I had a lot going on in my life at the same time. Uh, it was actually around the time Vine was like, they were shutting it down, which like that, that wasn't like a huge detriment to my life. I had Instagram, I had YouTube, I had other platforms to put my music on. But like, I was going through a period of not, I wouldn't say homelessness is not the right word, but I was going through that period when I was like, bouncing from couch to couch and and kind of like living out of my car a little bit because I wanted to record this record in Bradenton and I, I had a, a like a falling out with my family and uh, just because, you know, it's kind of hard to accept that you're trying to chase this dream that people don't really understand, you know, especially in, in my life. My family's never been like, like, what's the right way to do a music career? There's no right way. You can't just be like, I'm going to put out songs and I'm going to get popular one day mom like someone's gonna listen to it the radio is gonna play my that just sounds like you're delusional yeah and so i i just kind of stayed in town and and recorded thanks to this there's this uh it's called the dell couch music foundation and he was a good like mentor of mine in bradenton and he was like you can use our studios for free and you can record there and kind of just be like the the kid and our foundation and just kind of give us a good name. And I was like, definitely. Yeah. Like this is this cool experience. I'm, oh, I'm in, I'm, I'm totally in. And I, uh, I took advantage of it and we recorded it and all that time I just had so much going on in my life to where like, it felt like my life was crashing while I was having a little bit of success at the same time. So I think the overwhelmingness of everything just drastically on both sides, like it, it was a lot. And that's kind of why I ended up in there. I mean, I can only imagine one thing I'm really intrigued about is you mentioned kind of going against the grain and yeah. doing the non-traditional. And I feel like yeah. there's so many people who are trying to navigate that now. Dude. And any advice you have now that, that you've hindsight, you can look back and say, I would have done this differently, anything mm. like that? Well, it's, it's probably advice that I still need. Sometimes you got to put on blinders and it's like, you have to just look at something that's kind of unobtainable and reach for it. Because that's I, I, what I did before. It's like, I, I never thought in a million years, like I was always like, I would love to have a song that would hit a million plays. I think that would change my life drastically. 
And so I put on these blinders and I grind out, grind out and just make songs and connect with people. And then I hit a million plays on one song and I'm not going to lie to you, nothing changed in my life at all. Like I didn't even get a call from anybody. I was like, Sony or someone's going to hear me. Like, you know, there might be a huge label. It's like, yo, this kid's going to hit a million and like he's going to get calls. Nothing changed. And so I, I'm like, okay, so I have to just keep setting new goals and new unobtainable goals that maybe one day I can reach way, way down the line, but it might happen quicker. So putting on those blinders and me just working towards something that doesn't feel like I could do it. That's what I did. And what I'm still doing, but yeah. like it's harder now. Yeah. No, I mean, prior to the million, did, did you set the goals with that in mind that once you reached it, it was going to have to be reset? Or was it at that time that you realized that's how it had to be? I never thought I'd have to reset my goals. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I like, part of me never thought that I'd get there. And like, I, there were certain milestones that, <laughs> it's a pun, my song's called Milestone, um, that I never thought I'd reach. And I was like, all right, this is sick. Like, I would love to sell like 200 tickets to a show, but I don't think I can do that in the next like couple of years. And then you do it and you go, what do I do now? Like I, cause I'm, I, I'm not good at setting bigger goals. Cause like, I've always thought not small, like it's still big, but I was like, I don't know how to. How do you think bigger than that? Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna sell a thousand tickets, but that just sounds like way out there, which is what you need to do. But for my own sake, I'm like, I I need to have a little more self belief. So, so then, talk to me right now. Your goal setting process currently. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it's tough. I right now, I just try to make the best songs I can make. Um, just because I before I had those blinders on and I had this self-confidence and I was constantly feeling like I'm going to use a, a modern word. I felt gassed up and people were constantly like making me feel reassured that I was doing the right thing. And it was working and I was putting out all these tracks and I was killing it. And then I, I don't know how to set goals. I'm in like a rut right now. Currently I'm like, I don't know where to aim because I feel like there's a lot of different avenues that I could put my goal in but I don't know if that's the right goal to reach for, for what I'm trying to do. And then I have to take a step back. So it's a ton of, I, I won't go too far into my crisis for you, but, <laughs> but like, I'm, I need to pick a path and go down it. But at the moment I'm having trouble picking which path. I would say one of the things that, that helped me the most is, is I run the same thing. Like you set a goal, maybe you accomplish it. And then it's like, what's the next goal? Or maybe you don't reach it at all. And so what I started focusing on is systems over goals. Okay. So it's all about like, maybe if you show up to the studio X amount of hours per week, you spend this amount of time working on your creative writing and you do all of these things. And if you continue that over time, you would obtain the goals you would have set. Hmm. But like, if you do those systems every day, it's going to help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And I thought that framework just really worked for me. And I know it's helped a lot of other people as opposed to just putting that goal up there on the board. And then it's yeah. like, well, what do I do now? I have this goal. I have no idea what to do. So I don't, I don't know if that would help huh. at all. Like yeah. Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> consistency yeah. is like the key thing in it all. Ah, dude, I'm learning slowly that like without being consistent, it's really hard to like achieve anything. And I didn't realize that before. So then, so then I want to, let's, let's break down your actual creative process. I okay. mean, because when, when you're obsessing a new single and, and how you're approaching that, there are a million variables you've got to navigate. So yeah. I would love to even know what, what you're looking at when you're like, all right, I'm going to write a song. What does that even look like for you? Uh, it, 
it's tough. Sometimes it starts as like a spark of inspiration. Usually it's always lyrics that I'll, I'll go to where I'll have, for instance, I have a song called Yellow Rose where I wrote a poem in my phone. I, I use my phone for everything. So I use the voice notes on it. I use the, just the notepad and I'll just write down like, this is the, the lyric I have in my head. I can't get it out. And then <laughs> you're going to laugh, but I'll let like six months go by and I'll let like a certain amount of time go by. And if it's still in my head later, I'll go, okay, I'm going to work on this again because it's still in my head. I can still sing the melody without having to record it. And I know, I, I can just feel that this is something that would get someone else's head. And I'm not like constantly writing every day. Like, oh, this is a good lyric. I only write the ones that I feel, as, as weird as that sounds. Um, but then I'll go through and I'll, I'll like make a really, really, excuse my language, really shitty guitar part for it where it's just like basically four chords, like a pop song. And then I'll do a demo at my house. I have a little bit of like kind of inexpensive recording equipment. And then I'll sit there and I'll think about it. Like, okay, I have the structure. I have everything. What do I do with it from here? And then bring it to my studio guy, Alex. And then we sit down and we start adding other parts and bring in other people. And then we start to color it in and it looks even cooler. And then we have one song. We go, okay, is this a single? Does this go on an EP? Should we make an album? Do I have any other songs I've been working on? Sometimes no, sometimes yes. You know what I mean? And it's it, it sounds really easy, like if you wrote that down on paper, but like the process of writing a song that I'm proud of, it's really hard. Have you ever tried to not take the six month approach? Yeah. So what happens then? Like just write a song and try and do it as quickly as possible or? Yeah, e even if it's, if it's not just nonstop song, 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 it's just creative thought, put it down, try to go a little further on it as opposed to waiting that long. Do you ever do that? I only get halfway. So like usually like as of lately, I'll, uh, I'll start writing a song and I'll go, I'm not going to let myself like not try and finish this. I want to finish this song today. Then I can say I finished the song today and I'll get all the way to it. And then I'll get the chorus. I'll get the verses. And then I'm stuck. I can't do anything for a bridge. And then I rethink the entire song and I go, why am I writing about this? You know self-doubt? Yeah, well, the self-doubt, but I, I feel like now that I have more people listening, I need to have a better message. Like I, I, have, I have this platform with my music in general because like I wouldn't say I'm popping on Instagram right now. I wouldn't say I'm going crazy on Twitter or anything like that. But with my music, people listen to it and they listen to the words. So I'm like, okay, I can finally say something, but what do I want to say? And so that's what's seeping in. It's not even, it's kind of self-doubt, but at the same time, it's like, I want to help people. I want to help myself at the same time. But like, how do I do that in a cool way? And so that's where I'm like, just kind of doubting the whole process. I'll be like, did I say that right? And then sometimes you'll get like a little golden nugget. Like my song, Uni's Not For Me, that's coming out soon. Like that one, I wrote it and I went, someone somewhere is going to feel this. They're going to understand exactly what I meant. And that's what I live for. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's like a good message I'm putting out to the world instead of like, yo, what's up girl. You're so cute. You look great. Mm. You know I mean? That to me, that's like, yeah, it's fun. I get it. It's personality. You should have some like that, but too many that are just like that is stale. So yeah, I, it's funny. I'm almost viewing this almost like a writer who would get writer's block kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's so funny. I think we were, we were talking to, to Brad Thor, who's a best-selling thriller writer. And he talked about, no, I don't get writer's block. He goes, it's my job. Like a handyman wouldn't mm. get handyman block or a plumber. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a great point. He goes, I sit down there every single day 
and I put pen to paper and I make it happen. Yeah. And so it's just interesting when you when you hear that approach and it's it's you're in the similar realm that, that you've got to create this content. Oh yeah. That like is visceral to your fans when they hear it and they're like, wow, this connects with me. It's just that added pressure. Yeah, I could write a song. Like I could, I could write you a song in an hour, but if you want that song to mean something, that's going to take me a little bit more time. Like I could write a pop song with a catchy melody, but I'm, I'm kind of overdoing that. I don't, there might be some times where I think this sounds a little bit different than what I've heard on the radio or what I've heard other people listen to, but I'm, I don't want to write another catchy pop song. I want to write something that you can feel. Talk about that internal motivation. So what do you mean? So you you talk about not wanting to do the the catchy pop song. Yeah. And because you truly care about your craft, right? Oh, like, dude, yeah. So talk about that. Because hmm. that's not always easy to understand where you'll see a lot of people that are just producing something because they think that's what other people want to hear. Yeah. Um, I think music's the only way I've ever been able to do that. I, I think that's something I deal with on the regular. And you can ask all of my friends, you can ask my girlfriend, all of my family. I'm constantly seeking reassurance. And so like with, with everything I do, and the only thing I don't think I do that with is my music. Like the final mixes and stuff, I'll ask them for their opinion on it. I'll be like, so what do you think about this song? And they'll give me their feedback. I'll be like, well, that sucks because I'm not changing it. It's the only thing I'm confident in is like how I make a song and how I do all that process. But I'll spend like two hours doing an Instagram caption and like I'll ask everyone I know, what do you think about this? Does, does this make sense? Like, cause I want them to have like, I don't understand. Like, should I, should I reword that? You know what I mean? And I'll take their advice for that. But when it comes to like me making a song, it's the only thing I'm confident in. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just feel like this strong emotional connection to it. So maybe it's just like, it's the true form of who I am. It's my songs. You think it has a lot to do with just the, the sheer number of hours and commitment you've put towards that? It's possible. Huh. It definitely is. It's I'm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just intrigued how, how you talked about earlier where you went from self-belief to self-doubt. Yeah. Where it's as you accomplished more. It, yeah. I think the pressure. It, I, and I know I'm not like big time. You know what I mean? I'm not there yet, which I'd like to be. I'd love to be up there writing songs for myself and other people. But like, I feel so much more insecure writing something now because I, I want to be taken in like the way that I would like to be taken versus like someone else going, oh, it's that pop artist. Like, you know what I mean? Like not to throw anyone under the bus, but like when I hear a Charlie Puth song, I'm like, oh, it's another love song or another heartbreak song. Like write it differently sometimes he does but he's he's known his production is incredible but like i i don't know i i want to tell a story differently in a song that has a different meaning to you and different meaning to me so then how do you get feedback along the path or is it just you self-actualizing it you're talking with the songs themselves yeah i get production feedback it's been weird man because like Ever since I started putting out songs, I never, I never actually took anyone's real feedback with the, with the songs or the lyrics or anything like that. I never like they would be like, "You should really change this part," and I'd be like, "No, it's not how I hear it in my head with that part. I don't want to change it, and I don't second guess it." And then later we put it out, and we'll see that it does well, or sometimes it doesn't do well. You know what I mean? I put out this song, superficial, 
And uh, I thought it was like an island kind of, I've been listening to a ton of Jack Johnson. And so it definitely had like a Jack Johnson flair to it and kind of like a smoother kind of beachy pop song. I was like, sick, like, this is cool. I think it's awesome. And didn't get that well received. But then the next track I put out blew out of the water. And my song Yellow Rose was the most vulnerable song I've ever made. And I was just pretty much just talking about all my insecurities and just how I feel as a person. Didn't think anyone in the world would relate to that song because it's me. That's like, I'm going to put me on paper and I'm going to give it to you. Now it's at like almost 700,000 plays. I'm going, why? Do you think it was because of how vulnerable you were? Maybe. Someone somewhere connected yeah, with right? that, man. I, <laughs> I don't, I really don't know. I don't get it. But I've just learned that some of it's going to fail. Some of it's going to do great. But I'm just going to trust my gut. How often is your gut completely wrong? I don't know. Um, I'm definitely wrong sometimes. I won't say that I'm always right. But I've never felt like I was completely wrong. Because even the times that I fail, I feel like I'm right. You know what I mean? Because like I, I embrace failure. I love it. Like, and it feels uncomfortable as hell. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, if I fail, I'm like, damn, I failed. Like, I didn't want to fail. But now I know that I can take a different step in a different direction. And I don't know. My, my gut never really feels off. Like, I just trust it. It's different. I, I wrote a song a long time ago called Intuition. And sometimes the things that happen in my life are weird because I get to look back and it's like, Maybe I've been doing that this whole time subconsciously. And that's where the music came from. Huh. So like kind of trust my intuition a little bit. Yeah. I'd love for you to even discuss more of that, that failure. And then you gotta, you gotta learn from that and then shift trajectories. Oh, dude, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's unbelievably hard, but it, yeah. it's so funny. You're talking about like looking back and then you look back, you're like, wow, I, I'm so much better because of that failure two years ago. Yeah. So then, so then how do you assess the failure in the moment, right? Because I mean, you're dealing with so many things when you experience a failure, mm -hmm. like your ego is taking a hit, you obviously failed at the actual thing you're working on. So then how do you actually self-actualize and like, all right, this was a failure. This is what I learned. And this is how I change course. I have a perfect example for you. Uh, so the producers of American Idol hit me up. Uh, I want to say a year and a half ago to be on like their to be on the show. They're like, we want you to come to Kentucky. We want you to audition in front of the judges. We think you're a great fit. And I was like, ah, very flattered. I don't think American Idol is like the path for me. And um, all of my family and everyone got in my head. They're like, what do you mean? This is a stupid, awesome opportunity. Don't be dumb. You should definitely be a part of this. And I was like, okay, you know, there's some kid in their room somewhere who's like, I really want to be on American Idol. And if I was that guy that was like, yeah, I got offered, but I didn't want to do it. I'm going to feel like a piece of crap. Not like I would much rather give the kid the opportunity, but like the fact that I had it and I can't give it away, I feel like I owe it to myself and to like my younger self and to someone else out there who wanted to be on it to do the show. So I was like, okay. So I called up my mom. She's like, yeah, we'll fly to Kentucky together. She goes, I love Lionel Richie. And I went, okay, cool. <laughs> and so I uh, went through the whole process and not to not to ruin anything for anyone. I'm not the biggest fan of the show, um, and I'm. I don't like feeling fake. I really love real and just kind of being myself. And it didn't feel real sometimes. They were like, "We need you to say this and do this this way," and I was like, "I don't. I don't want to do that that way. Like, I don't have energy right now. Like, 
let me just be low energy. Like that's who I am right now. I'd rather you capture that moment. Kind of like a, a dad video recording. Like if they were to flip it over on you yeah. and you're like, dad, I don't feel like being on camera right yeah. now. Like, look, but the thing is, I know I went to American Idol. I know I was supposed to be on camera, but like there are things that are like, your mom loves Lionel Richie. Make sure you, when you walk in there, you tell Lionel Richie how much your mom loves it. And I was like, well, now that you told me, I don't, I don't feel like I should say that. And it was, it was just weird. But I went in there, I auditioned and they, uh, Lionel did not like me from the get-go. And then Katy Perry was like, yeah, this is a song for like singers. Like, and you're, you're a really good songwriter. I just feel like if you had like a flashier voice, you'd fit well on the show, but like not here. And Lionel was like, you don't look like a, an artist when you walk in here, you just look like an average person. And I was like, okay, that's good feedback, I guess. Luke Bryan's like, I'm gonna give you an encouraging yes. And I was like, okay, cool, I got a pity yes. Um, so I, I, as I was leaving, I kind of took it as a failure. I went, all right. So I failed on American Idol. But then I started kind of going like, I don't need it. I never needed the show. Like I've been able to build a career without American Idol. It was a cool opportunity, but it, it really did. It took a toll on me like for, for quite some time. And I would say up until recently, and it was last October. Like I've been dealing with it in the back of my head. Like, you know, cause obviously I'm still writing songs. I'm still doing well, but for some reason, when you're put on the spot and they're like, yeah, we just don't really like it. it made me feel so small because I know they're in the industry. They do things and granted, they don't mean anything to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like Lionel Richie, I can name one song. Hello. <laughs> and then Katy Perry. Yeah. I've been listening to it, but I'm not the biggest fan. And uh, Luke Bryant it was cool. I got a yes from him, but like, it made me feel really small just because I know they're in the industry and I know there's other people like them in the industry who think very similar. And so I was like, damn, like, what am I going to do now? And so I felt super small for the pat, like for probably like six to nine months after. And then finally I had the realization, like I can create my own path in life. I don't need someone else to tell me, yes, I don't, I don't need anything. So I started like hyping myself up. I started getting more reassurance and put out more songs and they did really well. And I was like, you know, I, I'm just going to build my own everything and I'm not going to rely on someone else to give me anything. Was, was that just a time thing? It just took six to nine months or was there a, a moment? <laughs> six months is just really the key. You know, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's just a personal thing. Some people might deal with it quicker. Um, I definitely sit there and I'll, I, I won't, I won't show you that I'm dealing with anything, but like, it'll be in the back of my head and it won't, I'll, my day to day will be like normal. I'll be able to go out, have fun, but I think it'll still be there lingering until I finally kind of address it. And then usually I'll write about it in a journal or something. It just feels like I get it out finally, yeah. but I was processing it for the longest time and I'll still talk about it at shows to poke fun. I'm like, yeah, so this next song, uh, Lionel Richie doesn't like it. Anyways, it goes like this. <laughs> But everyone's just like, what? Because they don't, they don't know I went on Idol. So I just, it's funny for me. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to laugh at yourself, right? Oh, dude, 100%. Yeah, it's I important. love that. One thing you talked about is after that, that six to nine month, that arbitrary number is the action you started to take. And like yeah. one of my biggest life philosophies is momentum breeds momentum. Mm -hmm. And you get these small little things and keep compounding them on top of each other. Yeah. So, so what did your momentum process look like once you're like, you know what? I can carve my own path here. Honestly, I just started writing again and I just started trying to piece together the, everything and 
and build a team and and I started having better friends in my life and just kind of felt like I built a support network for myself versus like waiting on it to come to me. So I was being a little proactive, I guess. Maybe it was more caffeine. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So so is the writing process, is that is that your bread and butter? Yeah, but I have to I have to feel it. It's weird. I, I can't I can't just be like, yeah, I'm gonna write a song today. I have to be like because when I force myself, I don't feel like it's my best work. But there'll be times where like even it'll be late at night, I'll be like, Wow, that sounds like a really good chorus. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that right now. But if I sit there and I'm like, I'm gonna try and write right now, it's not it's not my best work. I don't know why. Have have you identified when you actually create your best work? Dude, it all varies. I don't have like a time. I'm, I'm not like a very habitual person. Well, I didn't even know if it's just something when you're out with friends and then just because you're you're not thinking about the music industry, you're just having yeah. fun and then boom, inspiration hits. I don't know <sighs> something like that. Usually it's it's always when I feel like hurt in some way. You got to live life a little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like I'll, I'll get hurt in one particular way and I'll be able to write it in a new way. So it's like, this is exactly what happened to me. And this is a different way of how I can write that. And like- Someone might have done it already, but that's how I feel it. But I've tried to not listen to music. It's weird. People think I'm weird. And I know that sounds weird, but like, especially after I play shows, I drive like hours to get back home and I don't have music playing. People think I'm a psychopath. Drinking my black coffee, driving with no music. They're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I just need silence to kind of hear myself in my head, like to think. I don't, it's, I, maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm weird, but like, no, no, it I th- feels good. I think, I think you need to expand on that. I think you'd be surprised the number of people. I'll, I'll even tell those close to me. It's like, I just need to go for a walk and I need enough, no distractions yeah. right now. And I need to just think through everything. I do that all the time. Yeah. I was just watching, uh, I think Netflix just came out with a, a three-part Bill Gates uh, cool. documentary. Yeah, followed him for the past three years. And one of the things he does is, I think it's each quarter, he goes and spends an entire week by himself and he calls it a think week. And so he's got all these unbelievable ideas, but until he gets that freedom, that space, they mean nothing. Yeah. Oh, damn. That's really cool. I would love to. I actually, I have a, a dream right now where I would love to just rent a cabin somewhere away from everything, not bring my phone, have my laptop to write songs, or even maybe even just bring like a recorder to write songs and like make a whole EP or a whole album with some other friends who are good at music. And just write the entire week and not feel any pressure from social media, not feel any pressure from any outside forces. Just forget that I, I live this life back home and just kind of write all these songs and all these things that I feel. So kind of like a think week yeah. songs. <laughs> I'd love to see the work that comes out of that. Yeah. I, I want him to come. I want Ryan to come and uh, <laughs> video it. I think it'd be a really cool like documentary series. And that'd be an unbelievable project to see. It's funny you mentioned going out there with some other musicians. I'm really intrigued. So growing up, even today, mm-hmm. who who do you look to? Not necessarily for inspiration, but just admire their work. I'd love to have a cool answer for you and be like, <laughs> that it's cool. Be like, I am my own inspiration. <laughs> like some shit like that. Uh, but like, I've been watching too many 21 Pilots interviews. They're my favorite band by far. Yeah, uh, Just something about what they do is so unique and inspiring that when I listen to their music and when I hear them talk, I just, it draws me in even more. And I don't know, they definitely, I'm, my music's nowhere near their music. Like they, they do the alternative kind of more rock style. And I'm over here like, 
I love listening to that, but I realized that my audience would probably much rather sit at my show than jump in like a pit. Sometimes like with a full band, you could get them moving a little bit, but like more times than not, people are kind of embracing what I'm saying versus like jumping around. So, but they're probably my favorite. And then I used to be the biggest Ed Sheeran fan. Watched like every interview, every process of his songwriting. And then once his new album came out, I like, I, I don't not like him. I love Ed Sheeran, but I just kind of like lost touch almost. Maybe because it wasn't as like from the ground up. You know what I mean? Because I like followed him where he put out his original stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is sick. And then he hit that level of fame where I feel like he's the biggest artist in the world. Now I'm like, ah, oh. like he's still cool. He's a great, great songwriter, great at everything he does, but it just doesn't feel as like I could be that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how to explain it. D- dive deeper on that where I could be that. When he was doing it before, it seemed so much more attainable because he was like doing smaller venues and he was writing tracks that were like they were really cool, but they weren't like overly produced or anything. Not that, not to say that, dude, I'm not hitting his music at all. I think he's incredible. Don't get me wrong. But I just felt like I could be in his shoes when he was earlier on in his career. And now that he's hit such a high level of success, it feels, which I, I know I said I need to reach for unobtainable like levels, but I, I don't ever see myself being there. So that's kind of why I've distanced myself. It's like, I don't want to be that famous ever. So, so then what are, when you picture out in the future, what does it look like for you? It's a great question. I, I've been asking myself that for a while now. Um, I would love as many people as possible to hear my music. And I have a dream of touring around the entire world and playing for like sold out shows of a couple thousand. But I, I'll be in like arenas. And I'll see bands and I go, I don't know if I ever see myself in an arena, which is a really weird thing for a musician to say. Cause you know, like they're usually like, I want to reach for the top, but I feel like you, you're, I feel like I'm almost distancing myself from someone when I'm in an arena. Whereas like at a venue, I'm on a stage and you're there and there's like a tiny green room in the back. I just feel like that's so much more earthy and you can connect with people more. Or like an arena of people like that, you can't, you don't get me wrong, dude. One of the pilots throw the best show ever and their arena shows are the coolest. But I just feel like me, I would do much better in like a, maybe like a theater or something like that, playing to people who can like digest the show and not lose focus. Maybe. I don't know. I'm still diving in on it. Like I, I don't really know. Yeah. Do you think that's more self-doubt? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had the opportunity to play in an arena, I'd freaking do it. Yeah. Yeah. In a heartbeat. That'd, that'd be so sick. But like, I've never seen myself as that artist in my head. I've never been like, I'm going to be, and that that's probably like really discouraging for some people. Um, but I, I see my top is a little bit different than like what majority of people are at the top doing. I don't know. I love writing, but I, I also love performing. That's when I'm, I'm meditating when I'm performing. It's weird. Oh, I love to hear about it. I, okay. I didn't know what it's like to be on stage. Yeah. You just got a ruckus crowd, just loving everything that comes out, out of your mouth. What does that feel like? Um, well, it, it's definitely a high. Um, I, I haven't played in front of like crazy amounts of crowds where, I mean, the most I played in was probably like 800 people. Still crazy. But like, it's when you can go like, I need everyone to like sing this part right here. And then 
you hear all of those people sing that part. There's something about it, even when it's, it's like, it's your song. Like you wrote those words in your room by yourself and you just had 800 people sing the same part at the same time. You can't ever explain that feeling. Like that's just something that's such a high, but then you go back home and completely crash. It's like, you're up here and you're like down here the next day. Like I need that again. And it's kind of scary. So like, if you need like a good break or a good even, or like, I, I don't know how people do it, man. That's like Bieber came out the other day and he posted about how he was dealing with like drugs and alcohol because of like, he would play to thousands and thousands of people. And the next day he'd be all alone. That's not healthy. You know, if you think about it, like yeah. that's a huge toll on your mental health. Like, so, so then how do you handle the ups and downs, but then also if you're trying to become more successful, plan for being able to manage that as stakes get even higher? It's a great question. I'm still figuring Just out. Just navigating it, huh? Yeah, I've, I've always been go with the flow. Um, and when I feel uncomfortable, I speak up. So like if I, if I start to feel really alone, I'll tell the people that are closest to me, like I don't feel good right now. And like usually there, it's a really good support network of friends and family. And like my dad's super supportive and he'll be like, what do you need? Are you okay? Like, what's going on? My girlfriend's like the coolest. She'll be like, I'll go with you and like, we'll do things. But in turn, it makes it harder for me to do things on my own. And that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly seeking that reassurance because I don't want to go from here to here, but I'm not playing big shows all the time right now. So I can't like put myself in those shoes quite yet, but like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the groundwork for like what I'm doing now, I'll still play in like bars and I'll still play in like restaurants and stuff now. And sometimes no one will be there. They'll be like, absolutely. They'll be like the bartender and I'll play for them. And it's super humbling, but like I try to lose myself in the music versus losing myself in a crowd. That way I'm like doing my thing and they're doing theirs, but I want to connect with people. It's just a weird thing I'm balancing right now. I don't have like a good answer for you. <laughs> no, it's it's funny you mentioned doing shows and people might not even be there. And uh, yeah. I was reading, do you know the comedian Steve Martin? Yeah. He's actor comedian. Oh, yeah. So when he was first getting started, he would he was talking about like he would be doing the Monday night show. So he gets up on stage and he tells the guy who owns the place, he goes, no one's here. And the guy goes, yeah, I know, but people will walk by and maybe they'll see you perform yeah. and they'll come in. Absolutely. And so he's like, I did countless shows in front of no one. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, he just got those repetitions. And then like his famous line is be so good. They can't ignore you. And so he just needs to put in that time. So it's, it's just funny how like you can go from, from the highs of a big show that down to playing in front of no one. Yeah. You, you mentioned the support network though. And I want to dive even deeper on that. And cool. I, I've seen it in my own life, how important it is. And I, I want to know how you've been able to surround yourself with those people and then how you continue to make sure the relationships you have are healthy. Uh, it's it's still a work in progress. Um, I definitely get lost in my world sometimes, and I, I feel like it's my movie, you know, and as not in like a selfish or egotistical way, but you know, we grow up watching movies, we grow up listening to songs, and we always put ourselves in like the mean characters part. Or you might be different, someone might be different, and like, oh, I see myself as that character, the extra in the back, like you know what I mean. But like for me, I've always been like, yeah, I'm the main character, and and. I'll, I'll sometimes get lost in my world instead of trying to be more part of other people's worlds. And so I'm, I'm constantly balancing how to be more attentive to people in my life and to be more there. Cause I, I feel like everything is, it's 
consistency is the key, especially in relationships and friendships and stuff. Because if you're just like there one day and you're not there anymore, like you want to know that you can depend on someone and you want to be able to be a dependable for someone else. And I recognize all these things and I don't always put them into practice. Sometimes I'll be MIA. Like, I don't know. I have friends sometimes we catch up and then I won't hear from them for a solid two months. And they'll be like, I haven't heard from you in a while. And I'll be like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I forget. And it's not that, it's not like I don't like you or anything like that, but I just get so worked up and it's just a balance. So I'm, I'm working on everything right now, trying to get, I want to be a better me. And I want to be, so the support network, dude, I'm just trying to be there more and be more in the moment. And I don't know. I, I surround myself with a lot of good people through school. That was how I found like my, my favorite friends that I've had in a long time. They're the coolest group ever. You mentioned the balance. So I'd like to segue now into balancing the creative side of it and then also navigating the business side of it. And someone who's not in the music industry, yeah. I'm, I'm just so intrigued. When you're even looking at all the different opportunities and, and ways to monetize, what does it even look like for a musician today trying to make it? Hmm. It's definitely tough because uh, you, you don't really make a lot of money through like streaming. So like unless you start getting in like the, the tons of millions. Can you even like break down like yeah. what is, how does someone even make money streaming? Dude, uh, every million streams is like $3,000. So it's like 0. 0.006 cents per stream. Whoop. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You're not making anything on your music. Um, but the beauty of music is that it leads to bigger opportunities. And so the idea of a musician is like, you take that music, people will still buy it. People will pay for like CDs and merchandise and stuff. That's like one of the main revenue streams is like, I'm selling t-shirts to help me kind of fund this career and to be able to keep creating cool music that you enjoy. And so people, that's like one of the best ways to support like an artist is like buy their merch because usually they're getting a good percentage of that. Sometimes it's kind of hairy. I think certain venues at like bigger places will like take a percentage. I don't know how all that works. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but for instance, for me, I, I sell merchandise. Um, I'll play shows. Like I said, those bar shows, they'll pay me like a flat fee to be there, which is cool. And then sometimes if I bring like a bigger crowd, I'll get either a percentage at the door. Or I can even keep ticket sales in certain places that are really cool. And then, uh, so those are just like the two main musician ways of making money that I've seen. But in the new digital wave, dude, there's so many like crazy revenue streams that you can find. Like I do this thing called Patreon. Have you ever heard of Patreon before? Yeah, certain podcasters would do it where instead of having advertisers, they just have a, a Patreon method. Yeah. So can you, you want to describe how you go about Patreon? Yeah. Um, so I use my Patreon as a way to like, I make it kind of like a, uh, an exclusive access. So I'll post all my videos and everything. I do a lot of YouTube stuff where like demos, covers, uh, just recently got into like blogs and stuff, just trying to like branch out, and have fun. You know what I mean? I want to show people that like, this is a fun career. I can still balance personal stuff, give you like an insight of who I am, but also I can make you a song and this is how I made it. So it's like a lot of content. But on Patreon, I'll give it to them all first. And uh, I'll even post like demos on there that I don't post anywhere else. Be like, what do you guys think about this one? Or uh, you get like access to merchandise first. And that's all for like $1, $1 a month if you're into it, like a Netflix subscription. And then uh, for five bucks a month, because it literally says like, because people don't pay for music anymore. 
I'm like, thanks for illegally downloading my songs is what I titled it. And so if you pay for five bucks, I'll send you a Dropbox folder with like MP3s to my songs because I'm I'm not, I'm not going to make less if you stream all those songs. You know what I mean? So five bucks means the world to me. So here's all of my work. And then uh, besides Milestone, because I split that with Joey and I feel bad putting that in there. So I don't know how the legalities of all like that works. So I just kind of go, you get everything except that one. <laughs> Um, but then for $10, I actually started sending people Polaroids. So whether I'm in the studio working on a song or if, um, we were on a music video shoot the other day and I took Polaroids there showing like everything that we went through and then I send them off and I go, yo, this was at this thing. And so for $10 a month, you get a Polaroid and everything else I just mentioned. And then I have like some higher ones. I think I do like not to sell myself short, but sometimes I'll do like FaceTime calls and things of that nature, like just to say thank you and like higher tiers. Like you don't have to pay those. I, dude, if you pay a dollar, if you pay nothing, you're still going to get my content. The fact you support me is the best. But like if you're willing to pay those tiers, it means so much because you're, you're making my artistic freedom. Like it's, it's only getting better because of them helping me kind of fuel the fire. Yeah. The more support you have, the more you can put into it. So, so I'm just wondering as, as you're looking forward and I know the goal thing is still up in the air, but yeah. how do you navigate what the future looks like? Like how, how long, how much effort do you put into this before saying, I need to, I need to continue on this path because I made it this big or I, I need to shift. I don't think I'm ever going to shift. And, and I know that's kind of, kind of tough for me to say now in my life, like I'm 24, about to be 25. I'm going to be a quarter this year 25 um but everyone's always asked me like are you gonna shift are you is there a certain age where if you don't make it by then i go i don't i don't think it's like that i don't think life's kind of not like that like i might hit 30 years old but i might be making music in an entirely different way and making content in a different way where i don't need to tour which i i love touring that's my favorite part but like i just did a house tour where it's like, I can't afford to like pay venues. So if you want me to come to your house and play for you, I'll travel across the country and just show up and play for you and your friends. So I'm, I'm trying to think of different ways to do everything. And yeah, some of it might get kind of exhausting and tiring, but I'm loving every single second of what I'm doing. I don't, I don't ever want to shift. It's funny too, you mentioned you're loving every second of it. And sometimes the new path you start going on because of something you learned that was one of those just long hours or something you, you never know what's going to be on like that that other that other show in this person's backyard it's so interesting navigating that dude you never know who you're going to meet either yeah. like I, I met a lady yesterday who worked she worked on the set of ellen and i was just like about to cry like what like ellen's like a dream of mine and she's like yeah we'll talk and i was like <laughs> what <laughs> like you know what i mean it's so you literally anyone anywhere has a different story. So it's just being able to be present and like hear their story. That's the biggest thing. Can't it just be me, 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 me? Yeah. It's hard. Well, I mean, along those lines, what's the narrative like in your head right now? What do you mean? Just like when you're saying, I'm mad, this is who I am, but like internally, only your thoughts. It's full of insecurity. Yeah. It sucks. I want to get out of that. So I've, I've been taking measures to kind of get myself to be less insecure and kind of boost my confidence again. And it's, it's really hard because now I like introduce myself. I'm like, I'm Matt. And like, I write songs sometimes and I never know what to say after that. And, and like, usually you should, you should be comfortable and confident with what you do and what your abilities are. 
But I'm almost like, I'd rather you listen to my song. Whether or not you like it, that's up to you. I should be a little more confident than that. You know what I mean? Like, I, but I, so I beat myself up. I'll go home and I'll be like, why, why did you say it that way? Like, why weren't you like, these are my songs. I'm hella proud of them. So I'm, I'm, dude. So, so then it's like what, you're my psychiatrist. <laughs> so I, what do you do then that helps you feel better? Like, and like mm. embrace yourself because everyone's on their journey and everyone yeah. feels doubt, insecurities, things like that. So I'm just curious what you do. I am always looking for new things. Uh, I'm really trying to implement a lot of consistency right now. Um, I've been streaming two times a week, every week, Monday, Wednesday, same time. I'm trying to post like YouTube videos every week and just get in the flow of something. That way I can kind of feel like I'm, I'm working towards something instead of just sitting here kind of going, what should I do? And so the consistency has been helping me in, in numerous ways, but with the confidence, um, it's little things, man. It's surrounding yourself with the fun people too and just kind of getting out of your head. And I think being transparent is the coolest thing. Like talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. Like like someone somewhere is going to listen to this and and hopefully they'll take from it that like you can be insecure in whatever whatever position you're in. I'm not the biggest artist in the world. I'm not the smallest artist in the world. But I still feel hella doubt, hella insecurity. And I, dude, it makes me nervous sometimes. Yeah. But hopefully I can write a song about it. Some good inspiration. It's funny. We, uh, we, we had on Brian McGinn, who was the executive producer uh, and director behind Chef's Table, the Netflix documentary and everything. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's done a, a ton of different projects. Wow. And he was talking about... I was talking about self-confidence with him. He goes, Sean, it's, it's not about self-confidence. He goes, you have any idea how much self-doubt I have every single day? Yeah. And I, I think so many people look up to even, even someone like yourself experiencing this success and think that self-doubt doesn't exist, but it does. Yeah. And it's like every single day you've got to show up and, and find a way to overcome that. To, Absolutely. And it's a difficult thing. So I, I'm pumped that you were, you were so open and like yeah. willing to talk about it and kind of pull back the curtain. Dude. I'll talk about anything. Yeah. So, so like now I'm like really interested though. So you've got the new single coming out. Like, yeah, let's just talk about <clears throat> what it looks like when, from like start to finish the sure. whole process for a new signal for you. So this one's different. Um, so my process was really weird on this one. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was in this, this zone of making YouTube videos and I wanted to put a lot of my demos out on like YouTube because I was like, I want to get people hyped about these songs, but I don't have a direction to put these songs yet. Um, and so I, I bought a studio set up, like super simple, this thing called a Scarlet. I think it only costs like 150, 200 bucks for me to plug my mic into. And then I bought like a decent mic for like 200 bucks. So $400, that was able, I was able to afford it because of Patreon. And so I'm, no, no joke, like seriously, because of them, I made a video thanking them. I was like, yo, because of you guys, I got this mic. Because of you guys, I'm able to record in my home now. So it was the coolest thing. Ever. I mean, that is awesome. It's like yeah. these small little things. It's so it, cool to hear about. Because of them, I sat at home and literally within like two hours, I made a song. And that song was Uni's Not For Me, which is coming out on the 25th. And I went, wow, this is really powerful. I didn't have it finished yet. But I, as soon as I started recording it, the second half came to me. And I was able to finish the song. And I knew exactly what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it. And so I finished it right there. Ryan came over the next day. Or... A couple of days later, I sent it to my engineer and I went, I know I don't usually do this. I come to you and I record, but I really want to mix this song I made at home and make it so it could sound like it's on an album. He goes, all right, I got you. Yeah, give me a couple days. He sent it back to me and I went, damn, it's really good. All right, Ryan, let's make a video. And we made a video to it, put it out. And then 
now I told Alex, he's like, do you want to re-record it? Like we can make it with all the, I was like, no, let's keep it so grassroots, man. Like someone somewhere is going to make an excuse. I don't have a studio. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have like all these expensive things. I'm like, we, like I raised money from other people to make this song and now I'm going to put it out exactly as it is. So I'm, I'm super excited about this one, but it doesn't usually happen like that. <laughs> I mean, that's just so much more rewarding though. Oh, it feels so good. Like, yeah, it feels like I, I did something even cooler. So then when you're trying to get the next project going, what can the listeners, the watchers, how can they, they support the work? How can they, they find out more about the single, listen to it? What can they do? Stream it as much as possible. Listen, I don't know if you buy songs, buying a song really cool um i only get like 70 percent of each buy so it's like i think yeah especially on apple i don't know what the percentages are different with anything else but people don't really buy music anymore i'll be honest it's fine you're not gonna hurt my feelings if you don't buy my songs um but spotify has been very 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 like positive towards me and they've been putting it on like their algorithm like uh, they have algorithms that help send playlists out to certain people and they've been very, very generous and put my songs on a lot of them. And um, I don't know. I, the, the best way to support it is just to tell your friends. Just literally word of mouth is more powerful than any other ad I could pay for. Yeah, it's crazy what that can do. So what's next? You got the single. I mean, I, I want to know it's on the horizon. A couple singles. And then I'm dropping an album um, with all the singles that I put out last year. Uh, just because they need a home. And for the longest time I've been recording and putting out singles and they did really well and i just feel like it's pointless to have a song out and not give it a place to rest and be like that was part of that project you know what i mean because then it starts a whole new era after that and it just gets me more pumped up and excited to work on something new i bet man i so, mean it's, it's just been so cool hearing about the process the past what what's on the horizon for you and just understanding you as a person i mean i really appreciate you just being so open and, and just diving deep on so many topics here dude for sure thanks for asking me a bunch of questions yeah man i appreciate yeah. it so i think we're gonna need to get you to play a song oh sure you down with that yeah i got the guitar in the car i can go grab it awesome yeah let's cool. definitely do that sick so matt now we're gonna hear the latest single Oh, yeah. What is it? And then just start jamming. This is Uni's Not For Me, and it'll be out October 25th. So thanks again for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Six months in, I think I've had it. I'm destined for greater things. I don't mean to be dramatic. I know this is what you wanted for me. Staying up. Stressing out It's not where I want to be I want to be where the wind blows I want to see where that light goes I want to travel the world In the seven seas Look in her eyes And feel the breeze From Mexico To Sydney Discovery. The best way to jump is when I bend. 
appreciate it each week so many amazing podcasts come out unfortunately we just don't have the time to listen to them all that's why i love podcast notes what podcast notes does is they write up some of the top podcasts and top episodes with their tips takeaways and quotes so you get everything you need out of that episode without having to spend all that time listening they also have an unbelievable weekly newsletter And this weekly newsletter has the takeaways from the top business, health, and lifestyle podcasts. It's one of the few newsletters I subscribe to and certainly think you guys would love checking it out. So remember, it's podcastnotes.org and also subscribe to that weekly newsletter they're putting out. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand They're MCT Co., and they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor, head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. 
Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode. If you guys enjoyed the smooth sounds of today's episode, then you can thank Brian Lapries, our sound engineer. And if you enjoyed the intro song, check out Justin Great, the man behind it. I can't thank you guys enough for listening. Looking forward to you tuning in next time. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you?